good to see everyone here this morning. We had a real good Bible study, as we usually do the first hour. And uh, look forward to having another one, Lord's next Lord's Day. But this morning we're going to get a double taste of it because that's what my lesson is, is going to be on. We, uh, let me get it turned on. Make sure you got this stuff the right way to get it to work on it. I do want to thank everyone in the, the first hour for all their comments and all. It shows you just how, how much we can learn and how depth we get into it. Because I think those six questions of just the fruit of the flesh lasted for about four, three or four, four, five uh, studies. So, but I do encourage everyone to come. Because we are in uh, Galatians chapter uh, five. But it, Got to studying about it, and I come across some, some few things that pointed out and got me to study it even more. The little story said that it was, it was early October. The first fall, the first frost had not yet came. But the mornings were cool, the evenings were hot. It was that unique time of the year when you shiver in the mornings and sweat in the afternoon. So, a 25 year old man who grew up on a local farm. He got off work on Fridays at noon. That sounds good, don't it, brother? So he decided he would take his 22 rifle. He would roam the hollows of the family farm, squirrel hunting. By 4 p.m., he had not seen the first squirrel. So he headed for his truck. Now the afternoon was hot. The sunshine was beaming down and it began to sweat heavily. About halfway to the truck, he crossed an old watermelon, old watermelon patch. The good melons had already been taken to the market over a month before. And all that was left were the coils, <clears throat> or the, the late bloomers. Now at the edge of the patch was a large white oak tree. On impulse, he decided to lean his rifle against a tree, gather three or four of these coiled watermelons, and quench his thirst by eating the hearts out of the small melons. Sure, several of us here have done that. And that's what he did. Now as he sat under the tree, he took out his hunting knife, split the melons open, and began to eat the sweet center out of each melon. Just he started eating a small acorn fell and hit him in the head. He looked up among the branches of the trees at the, its acorns. And then he looked across the watermelon patch. He immediately had two thoughts. The first thought, he said, that I sure am glad that watermelons don't grow up in trees. The second thought, God sure knew what he was doing when he put acorns in trees and watermelons on vines on the ground. I want to ask you a question this morning. <clears throat> How often do you say to yourself or tell someone else, God sure knew what he was doing? I know we're getting into, as I said, on our Sunday morning Bible study, the fruits of the spirits. How many times have we read Galatians chapter 5? the last verses 22. But 
read these verses that tells us about the fruits of the Spirit and said to ourselves, God sure knew what he was doing. Turn with me, if you would, to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Tell them about the, about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. Now we have to stop here and look at this love. Agape love. It's a love that is an act of goodwill. It's true love will be manifested in our obedience. Our obedience to God. Brother Hartwright points out in our, our workbook that that it's possible to love mankind without loving God. But it's not possible to love God. It's not possible to love God without loving mankind. We have to love one another. We have to have the love in our hearts one for another that it matters to us what happens to each other. Joy, the spirit of gladheartedness is produced by having confidence in God's watchful care of his people. Then it talked about peace. This peace here is more than just the absence of war. Rather, it, it refers to the inner peace that comes from knowing that one stands in God's favor. We can ask the question, now how do we know we stand in God's favor? Simple. Read God's word. God's Word is our instruction manual for our life. It tells us here what we must do, what we shouldn't do. We can read His Word, examine our lives, and then we'll know if we're in it or not. And then it talked about long-suffering. The ability to hold back, to re be restrained from rash actions. after that's in our younger days, that's probably one of the hardest things we got to do, wasn't it? And I still have that problem today. I still have a, my temper wants to fly out, and I still have a problem holding back from wanting to do some rash actions. It always pops in our mind. But as long as we don't act on it, we have to study God's Word to keep our minds occupied. Because the next thing we talked about was gentleness. Gentleness, a benevolent position that desires the well, of being the well desire of others. Then we got uh, okay, gentleness, benevolent disposition that desires welfare of others, even those who really try our patience. And then goodness, goodness is love in action, helping others, that faith, belief for our trust in things. Meekness, humility, gentleness, kindness, submission to the will of God. Then we have temperance. One must rule his own spirit to have victory in Christ. All of these fruits of the spirit would be a good way to live, even if there wasn't 
reward for our heavenly home. But that just looks like putting the topping on the cake. This heavenly home, our reward. You know, it should be good in our hearts when we go out and do good things for other people. But when they tell you thank you, it makes you feel a lot better, don't it? When you get that reward. We shouldn't do it wanting that reward, but here God has given us this reward. How often have you read these verses or thought about these verses and said, God sure knew what he was doing? I want you to take note of some of some things about this context. Paul made a statement in his letter to the Christians in Galatia because they were not teach, uh, treating each other the way that God wanted them to. Some of these Christians were using their freedom in Christ to actually hurt other Christians. These people caused problems in our Christian-to-Christian -Christian relationship and then cried out, I have the right to Christian freedom, this liberty to escape the responsibility or the consequences of their acts. Paul declared that they had freedom, the freedom to love each other, the freedom to help one another. In Christ, Jews could have loved Gentiles. Gentiles could love the Jews. While they had the freedom to love each other, they did not have the freedom to be selfish, to harm one another. So they were not to use their freedom, this liberty in Christ, as an excuse to do ungodlike things to other people. Now pay, pay close attention. To a significant contrast here. It was the contrast between the values and the acts of idol worshipers. And the values and the acts of God worshipers, in other words. Paul classified the acts of idol worshippers as deeds of the flesh. He classified the acts of God worshippers or Christians as fruits of the Spirit. It's amazing to note how many of the deeds of the flesh focus on selfish indulgence. It's equally amazing to note that all of the expressions of the fruits of the Spirit focus on the unselfishness of godly relationships. Paul made it quite clear to those that are Christians that the person who converted to God through Christ by personal choice did not think or feel like people who do not belong to God. In other words, people who belong to God through Christ want a lifestyle led by the Spirit. The lifestyle of people who were led by God's Spirit are at war in their lives with the desires that oppose God. Now the two do not mix. You can't have love and hate in the same heart. Each is dedicated to the death of the other. We can't have fruits of the Spirit, says our I man. We can't have fruits of the flesh as our uh, our bodily function actions and have fruits of the Spirit. We have to study God's Word, have fruits of the Spirit in our hearts to be pleasing to God. As I said, both forces actively oppose each other in a person's life. Now the Christian, the Christian by choice wants a life led by God's Spirit, not a life controlled by physical desires or 
physical actions, our physical focus. The Christian who deceives himself into a conviction that he or she at the same moment can't adopt the lifestyle of a God-led person and the lifestyle of a person controlled by physical desire will make both lifestyles impossible. He or she will either totally deceive himself or herself about being a godly person and become a hypocrite as physical desires prevail and justify our expressions. Or he or she will be under the constant burden of guilt and they violate their own conscience. The person who wishes to be led by God in his or her lifestyle deliberately kills the focus in her or her life that fight against a God-led lifestyle. In other words, we can't have our focus and our hearts and our focus on things of the world and be a servant of God. Now, we're going to live in this world, of course, but we don't have to be of this world. Even it's painful that he or she kills anything in his or her personal life that opposes God. Even if it is a slow death, he or she, whoever it is, kills anything and everything in his or her personal life that opposes God. And the question we would ask is, why would a person do that? Simple. Because they want a life that's led by God. We can't say, well, I don't know what God wants me to say. Or when we face with a situation, we can't say, I don't know how God wants me to handle this situation because he tells us right here in his word. The only reason we don't know is because we haven't studied God's word. We have brothers and sisters here that we can call upon when we have questions about God's word. This is something when you have a question on God's word, you would call upon a brother said you wouldn't go out to the world and just ask anybody hey how would God want me to do this because that's when the devil's going to win out we have to study God's word because we want a life led by God because God will tolerate any influence in his or her life that opposes God's control of life it's precisely at this point that the individual Christian or congregations get themselves into difficulty with spiritual priorities. We decide what God wants without consulting God. Now how do we do that? We can do that in several ways. We can make scriptures say and interpret them, give our opinions. We can make them say and emphasize what we want scriptures to say. We can make God's word mean what we want God's word to man to say. But we can't do that. We have to go by God's word, by what God wants His word. We can decide what is important. We can use verses to justify our conclusion. I'm sure you've, uh, we've all been in studies, Bible studies with people that use uh, God's scripture in the way that they want it to sound, interpret it the way that they want it interpreted, instead of the way that God intended for it to be. Or we justify our actions, and we use verses to try and confuse the matter. Oh, we are so ignorant of the Bible that we use the little Bible knowledge that we have out of context to make our choices okay. Instead of calling something a sin, we can call it an alternate lifestyle. Instead of calling something a sin, we call it a disease. 
For example, we say, you know, God wants me to be happy and use that personal conviction to justify everything from adultery to addiction to stealing to lying or anything dishonest. Or we say, everyone knows there is nothing wrong with that. Or we say, God's not concerned with such small matters. God is not concerned of my lifestyle. God is not concerned of my dishonest actions. And we know good well His word says He's concerned. Or we assume God's purpose and make our assumptions the foundations of our behavior. For example, what God really wants is for me to have that boat. Or we can say what God really wants is for me to have that house or that car or whatever it is that we want. As if God's greatest purpose is focused on our personal wealth. Or what God really wants is for me to be healthy. As if God's greatest purpose is focused on my physical well-being. It comes as quite a shock to realize that God's purpose are not defined by my physical well-being. God's purposes were not defined by Jesus' physical life. Even Jesus would not have died. It was his teaching is what it's all that God's concerned about. God's purpose were not defined by Paul's physical life. Even God would have removed Paul's thorn in his flesh. God's purpose was not defined by Stephen's physical life. Else he would not have been a Christian martyr. What is important to God as a Christian lifestyle is the way that we treat each other. Our wives, our husbands, our children, our co-workers, our neighbors, business opportunities, our church, our brothers and sisters, and even the way we treat strangers. I ask you to note something in the fruit of the Spirit. I ask you, where are the theological issues? They're absent. They are important, but they are not number one with God. <clears throat> Where is passing judgment? It's not there. Now, recognizing evil correctly is important, but it's not number one with God. Where is division? It's absent. Where is our negative behavior and, and outlook? It's absent. Where is criticism? It's absent. Notice three things about the fruit of the Spirit. All expressions are positive. All expressions are unselfish. All expressions are relationship focused. That leaves each of us with one question to ask ourselves. Is my lifestyle based on selfish indulgence or on unselfish relationship? In another way, we need to ask ourselves, is my life all about me or am I allowing to Jesus to teach me how to be a servant. Went over this morning, would you? God's Word. A lot of times when I talk to the younger people and tell them things, I, I call it Bubba Philosophy 101. This morning, this is God's Word. I ask you to read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Read it regularly. Study it. Be here next Lord's Day with Lord William. This is what God wants each and every one of us to do. We need to base upon our lives upon that. That way when we come to a certain situation or decision in life, the little tags that used to see, say uh, WWGD, what would God do? 
for WWJD, whichever one you're looking at, what, what would Jesus do? We would know how he would want us to react in every situation. What we have to do is pray and have strength to overcome it. As you examine yourself and use these fruits of the Spirit as your examining tool, maybe you've noticed it. You're not on the right, right road, the right relationship with God as we thought we had. Maybe you need to be baptized to become a child of God. Whatever your need may be. You need the prayers and encouragement of the congregation. I should come forward this time with we'll stand and sing on a song of invitation.